Good morning. That was too low. Good morning. Ah, uh, that's the spirit. Amen. It's good to be with you. Uh, I think I see people that I haven't met before. How many of you are here at Riverside Lisbon for the first time? Okay, they're very shy, but if you can raise so that we can all see a little bit more. Okay, here in the front, there in the back. Good morning, those who are new. We're very happy that you're here with us and worshiping God. Um, we love that, the, uh, that churches, family, that we're able to celebrate God together. And my prayer is that the Lord will speak into your hearts. For those that don't know, my name is Ruben. I'm the pastor, <laughs> one of the pastors alongside my wife. And we're so glad to share uh, what God has been doing in this community and what God, most of all, what he wants to share from his word. Um, as you can notice from the screen, we're going to talk about uh, a place in scripture, a passage in scripture called Romans 8. How many of you are familiar with Romans 8? Okay, I don't know how to translate that. Because this is, I know it exists. I don't really know what it's about. Please don't ask me because if you ask me, I'm going <laughs> to have a panic attack. Romans 8 is one of the most beloved chapters in the whole Bible. It's one of those chapters that really captures uh, everything what the Bible says. It's one of those chapters that if you get it, you get most of what God has revealed in his word. But the opposite is also true. If you don't get Romans 8, if when you read this chapter in scripture, you don't really understand it, then you will probably missing out on a lot that God wants to do in your life. So this is a very interesting and a very important point in the Bible because Romans 8 tells us all about some of the greatest gifts that God has made available to us. Now, as I was thinking about this and gifts from God, I think it's just a very mind-boggling point. Why do we need gifts from God? Why do we need a God that gives us things? And I was thinking about many reasons that come from Scripture, why God is a God that gives gifts to us. And first of all, it's because God loves us. Gifts are a way of God showing us how much he loves us. We do the same to the people that we love. So it makes sense that if the Bible declares that God is a God of love, that he will be a God that freely gives what he has. Secondly, he is able to give the most amazing gifts. Oh, wow, this is really catching up. So you already have it there, and you don't know what it is, but I'll, I'll share with you. Gabby and I were engaged when I celebrated my 31st birthday. And after a long day of work, very tired, I arrive at my room. And I find this in my, at the table in my room. I found 31 reasons why I, I was loved. And equally good, 31 chocolates, different kinds of chocolates for me to enjoy. So this is the kind of gift that I'm sure that if I ask you, what's the most meaningful gift or one of the most meaningful gifts that filled your heart with joy? And, and I think that you will, try, well, you will remember the things that are meaningful. And why? Because it shows that the person that gave it to you knew you. They know what you're like. Gabby knows that I'm passionate about chocolate. 
regardless of how tiny it is, it, it will make my day. And of course, there are things that we do for each other that though the people that we know, they will absolutely enjoy because we know what they like. We, don't, we know what they don't like. And the same applies to God. God knows exactly what we like. God knows exactly the, everything that's inside our heart. So if he loves us, and he loves to give gifts, he is going to be the best gift giver that you will ever experience in your life. And finally, God isn't just interested in giving you what you want. God is a giving God that is interested in giving you what you need. He's the only one that can really give you the gifts that truly matter in life. Because the physical things that we give one another, yes, they provide joy, but they're not able to change anything on the inside. The gifts that we give each other because we love each other, they don't really fix the issues inside our hearts, in our minds, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. But God, when he gives us a gift, when he gives us gifts, he knows how to tackle exactly what we need today. And so if you ever had feelings like, I'm not good enough, I'm never going to change. Life is too hard. Why is the world constantly against me? Why does no one really love me? This is the chapter in Scripture to read. Oftentimes we are listening to our thoughts. We're oftentimes we're listening to what people have to say. But we forget to listen to what God has to say over our lives. That's why as human beings we cannot say, we can ever say, I don't need God. And if that's the case with you this morning and you've been living without God, let me ask you this morning, how is that working out for you? How is that really working out for you? Because the Bible describes that living without God is being like a lost sheep without a shepherd. There will always be something missing that you will not be able to cope by yourself. You are in need of a shepherd. And this passage, Romans 8, tells us about four life-changing gifts that only God can give us. And they really show how much he cares for us. So let's dive in. And we're going to read most of this chapter. So let's begin right in verse, in, in verse 1. So Romans 8, verse 1 says, So now there is no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. Though Christ Jesus, uh, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit that brings life made you free from the law that brings sin and death. The law was without power because the law was made weak by our sinful selves. But God did what the law couldn't do. He sent his own son to earth with the same human life that others use for sin. By sending his son to be an offering for sin, God used the human life to destroy sin. He did this so that we could be the kind of people the law correctly wants us to be. Now, we do not live following our sinful selves, but we live following the Spirit. So the first gift, what is the first gift that God gives us? The first gift that God gives us is freedom. The gift of freedom. He gives us this gift by declaring us not guilty. Now, let me say this. By looking at you, I think that you're all great people. 
I think that you're fantastic people. I th you are already in my top 50, my top 100 people in Lisbon right now because you worked all week. You, you did the best that you could do in your jobs, at school, in university, and, and you're really tired. You have so many things going on in your life, but still you decided to wake up on a Sunday morning and come to church. That, for me, already makes my day. You are great people. I think that you're terrific people. I think that you try to be the best person that you can possibly be. But when we look into, more into this topic about who are we, I think this describes best who we are. We try to be the best people that we can be. Because more often than not, we do things that are wrong. And at some point of your life, maybe not today, maybe not yesterday, but at some point, you have lied. You cheated. You stole or you offended someone. And that puts us in a big problem with other people, right? When we sin, when we do something wrong, it put, gives us a problem with other people that even though sometimes and hopefully people forgive us, but they cannot erase what has been done. They cannot take away the guilt and the sorrow that we feel because of our wrongdoings. And the fact is, it also gives us a big problem with God. Because if God declares us guilty of sin, which he will rightly do so, the Bible says that sin leads to condemnation, which leads to death. So here's the thing. God is saying to us in this passage that we don't have to carry condemnation inside of us. God the loving God that we love and serve is declaring us not guilty. Now, I don't know the kind of things that you did in your life. And some people, I think, have done pretty terrible things. But regardless of your past, regardless of your story, God wants to declare you not guilty. And it's crazy. Because some people really deserve to be declared guilty. But the Bible says that all of us can be declared not guilty in his sight. Why? Because God sent Jesus. God sent his son as a human being to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins. He literally took our place on that cross. So now when we put our faith in him, when we trust him as our savior... When we start living in union with Christ Jesus, the Bible says that God declares us not guilty. Those words, they bring transformation and they bring a freedom that no one else on earth can give. Even if you've committed a huge crime and you go to a court of law and the judge declares you not guilty, deep down inside you know that you are guilty. That you did it. And the shame... And that burden and that flaw you will carry for the rest of your life. But when God declares you not guilty, a miracle happens. God doesn't erase history, but God is able to take away the burden and the condemnation that you feel inside. God is able to give you a new life as he puts that old life aside and says, you're not that person anymore. God is able to give us a beautiful gift of freedom. 
wash us clean inside so that we don't have to carry guilt and shame for the things that we've done in the past. And maybe, just maybe, this is the kind of gift that you need to receive from God today. Maybe, just maybe, this is what's in your mind and inside your heart, that as much as you love God, as much as you want to walk with Him, you cannot put aside the person that you were. But the Bible says that with the miracle, this gift of freedom is able to give you a new identity, is able to wash you clean from the inside. So even though your history is there, even though maybe people will point out that you've actually done that in your past, the Bible says you can walk with freedom because of who Jesus is in your life. If Jesus took the price and the penalty for your sins, you don't have to carry it anymore. And this is a beautiful gift that the Lord wants to give you today. Let's continue reading from verse 5 onwards. Those who live following their sinful selves think only about the things that their sinful selves want. But those who live following the Spirit are thinking about the things the Spirit wants them to. If people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self, there is death. But if their thinking is controlled by the Spirit, there is life and peace. Your body will always be dead because of sin. But if Christ is in you, then the Spirit gives you life because Christ made you right with God. And continuing. God raised Jesus from the dead. And if God's Spirit is living in you, He will also give life to your bodies that die. God is the one who raised Christ from the dead, and he will give life through his spirit that lives in you. So my brothers and sisters, we must not be ruled by our sinful selves or live the way our sinful selves want. If you use your lives to do the wrong things your sinful selves want, you will die spiritually. But if you use the Spirit's help to stop doing the wrong things you do with your body, you will have true life. The second gift that, this, that we receive from the Lord that is revealed in Romans chapter 8 is the Spirit of God Himself. The Spirit of God that wants to live with us, that wants to live inside of us. Let me ask you this morning, regardless if you believe in God, do not believe in God, who is in control of your life? Who's in control of your life? And I think most of us, like just very quickly, will say, well, I am. I'm in control of my life. I decide what I want to do or not to do. And while there is a truth to it, and that's how we perceive things, that's not entirely how God describes it. We can be fooled to believe that we have full control of our lives when in fact, and according to God's word, and I think that God is right, we're not. Most of the times we are being led. And according to God's word, we are either being led by the spirit of God or we are being led by our sinful nature. Or we are living with God and, and those decisions that we make and the life that we, we, we enjoy brings us true joy and peace and, and, and that kind of um, presence of God that we come to understand. Or we keep doing the same wrong choices in life, 
choices and decisions that bring us sadness, lack of peace and resentment and conflict. In fact, it's so dangerous to live according to our sinful nature that the Bible even gives us a death warning. Imagine we are walking around with one of those big logos that says, warning, death, danger. Because that way of living, that's ultimately what we will find. The Bible says in our natural state, we are all living with a death warning. In fact, we don't have to do anything to be led by our sinful nature. That's why it's called nature. It's just there. And the Bible says it's not going to go anywhere. It's just there all the time. But in order to live with joy and peace in our lives, in order to live with love, in order to, to, um, to build something that's going to last in the presence of God, these things are the fruit of a life that is in a relationship with God. It's impossible to find joy and peace without God in your life. So for us to enjoy life in peace, in order for us to be led by the Spirit of God, we need to have embraced this gift of freedom and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We need God in us so that we can stop obeying our sinful natures. Now, as I said, this doesn't mean that it's going to go away. The moment we say, yes, God, I believe in you, I need you, I know that you are good and you bring joy and peace and I want to do your will. When that moment arrives in your life, it just all of a sudden, bye-bye sinful nature, you're gone, out of the window. No. It's still there. And quite frankly, it's very annoying. It's very disturbing. Even Paul, and you can read in the Word of God, Paul, one of the apostles, someone that had a really good walk with Jesus, he was able to say, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And the things that I want to do, things that are uh, pleasing to God, those are the things that I end up not doing. It's hard. It's really, God, really, really hard. But as frustrating as Christian life can be, and trying to follow what the Spirit of God has to say in our lives, at least now we have a choice. While before, we were led by our sinful natures, and all that we could find in life was lack of peace and conflict. And not knowing the future, not knowing if the things that we were doing are going to ever even sum up to anything in life. And the Bible says that if we live that way, ultimately it will end in death. But now, day to day, we have a choice. We have the choice to be led by the Spirit of God. We have the choice to say no to our sinful nature. Now, the sinful nature will still say there's no problem watching that movie. Just open that website. It's no problem. Or seek that relationship. You deserve to be happy. Or you can just twist the truth a little bit. No one is ever going to notice. Or you need to pay back to that person because they really deserve it for what they did to you. That will make you happy. That will give you joy. And sometimes we believe. What our sinful nature says. But very, very soon we discovered that that wasn't truth. It brought nothing but darkness and sorrow and distress. 
And my goodness, if you take a really good look in your heart today, maybe that's what's inside. But the Spirit of God will say, you can stop it. You don't have to do it. You, can, you don't need to fall in that lie. You can choose something else. Actually, the Holy Spirit will actually lead you to do the things that please the Spirit of God. That will lead you to do the things that are actually meaningful. God, and we also talk about that in our relationship with the Spirit of God that lead, lives in us, that we get these promptings by the Spirit of God. If, hey, go talk to that person. person. Spend some time with them. They, they need a friend. They, they need to unload a little bit of what's inside of them. It's the Spirit of God that, hey, take notice. This person is in, in a big suffering. You, you need to go and pray for them. And it's the Spirit of God that says, hey, your co-worker is, is going through a really hard time. Can you just help him out a little bit to sort things out so that he's not super burdened? It's the Spirit of God that leads us to everything that is good. Everything that is powerful, everything that God wants us and called us to do on this earth. He's empowering us so that we can live with all the real joy in our lives. The Spirit of God isn't just spoiling our lives. Is no, you cannot have any joy. You cannot do things that please you. No, He is guiding us to real joy. He's guiding us to real peace. So if you find yourself not being able to stop making wrong decisions in your life, what's the answer? What can we do? The answer is the gift of the Spirit of God. This gift that God freely gives to those that trust Jesus, the Spirit of God will come inside your life and He will guide you to all truth. He will guide you to everything that has to do with peace. He will guide you to everything that will bring you joy. If there are, those are the things that are lacking in your heart right now, there's no other answer than the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit of God in your life. God wants to live in you. He wants to take control of the things that right now are completely out of control. Let's continue reading from verse 17 onwards. If we are God's children, we will receive blessings from God together with Christ. But we must suffer as Christ suffered so that we will have glory as Christ has glory. The sufferings we have now are nothing compared to the great glory that will be shown to us. So we are waiting for God to finish making us his own children, which means our bodies will be made free. We were saved, and we have this hope. If we see what we are waiting for, that is not really hope. People do not hope for something they already have. But we are hoping for something we do not have yet, and we are waiting for it patiently. We know that in everything... God works for the good of those who love him. They are the people he called because that was his plan. God knew them before he made the world and he chose them to be like his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. God planned for them to be like his son and those he planned to be like his son, he also called. And those he called, he also made right with him. And those he made right, he also glorified. The third gift that we can spot in Romans 8 is the gift of hope. What a powerful word, hope. 
And to understand the importance of hope in our lives, we have to talk a little bit about suffering. I know it's not pleasing. From an atheist perspective, not only there is no hope of a better end to this story, ultimately, there is no story. Quoting a very famous atheist, Richard Dawkins, he says, there is nothing, uh, there is nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Our lives are nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Now, I don't want to offend any atheists in this room, but I think it's ironic that a person that is alive is basically telling us that there is no point in being alive. But still, he wrote books, and he's making a lot of money, and he's living his best life. But still, there is no point in being alive. I don't think that, that is a good answer. But even people who believe in God, all, they also struggle when it comes to suffering. And oftentimes, we are tempted to believe that suffering is a punishment. But while there's a connection between sin and suffering in a universal way, we know that living in rebellion against God will cause us a lot of suffering in life. But the Bible makes it clear that the amount of suffering a person goes through in life doesn't necessarily have to do with sin. And this teaching actually sets Christianity, sets the Christian faith apart from many other faiths, faiths like Buddhism that teach us karma and reincarnation. With that logic, our present sufferings must be the result of some wrongdoing that you've done in a previous life. There needs to be a cause for the things that you're going through. But the Bible rejects that paradigm. The Bible simply shows us there is no such thing as a suffering-free life. There is no such thing as a suffering-free life. While the Bible encourages us many times to look for the meaning in our sufferings, we cannot use suffering as a measuring stick for guilt or think that if we only prayed harder, if we only pleased God more, if we only had more faith, our lives would be suffering free. That's not the case. So what's the point of suffering? Why is it possible for us to have hope? Because if the Bible claims that the goal of our existence is to be in a relationship with God, then the ultimate point of suffering needs to be finding God in our sufferings. If life is about a relationship with God, if we suffer, we need to find God in our sufferings. And as we read this passage, the Bible says that if God's glorious plan for Jesus involved suffering and then Jesus was glorified, we can be sure that if in the same way we suffer like Christ did, we will also get to experience and be revealed the glory that is going to await us. There was always a point in our sufferings. And the Bible says that that point, the ultimate goal in everything that we do, is that God is going to reveal his glory to us. 
The same God that planned to save us. The same God that called us to be saved. The same God that made our relationship right with him. He is the same God that is able to turn our sufferings, our temporary sufferings, into everlasting glory. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans 8. Nothing that we experience here on earth, good or bad, can ever be compared to the glory, to the good things that await us in the presence of God. Now, this isn't just a hope for a better end that the Bible promises those who trust Jesus. But there today, we have today an intimacy with the one who suffered for us. We can know today and live in union, in fellowship with a God that knows us in our sufferings. That is right there in our sufferings. And I know that many of you have, you've had your share in life, in sufferings. And some have really experienced more than a fair share in sufferings. But one thing that I believe all of us can testify is the difference it makes to have someone alongside of us in our sufferings. How many of you were ever in the hospital? In bed for days? Maybe outside of this COVID experience and hopefully we'll past that page in history soon. But the times that we were at the hospital, suffering, not knowing what's going to happen, sometimes in turmoil, sometimes in tears, trying to find comfort and try to find some stability. And then we receive a visitor. We receive someone we know. We receive the presence of someone that loves us. Do you remember? Do you, do you know that kind of joy that that moment brings? Having someone with you alongside you in your sufferings. It's so impactful. That's why the Bible says, and Jesus encourages us, when we were sick, when, when I was sick, you visited me. And if the presence of a person can make such a difference in our lives in the moment of suffering, the Bible says that the presence of God is with you 24-7 to bring you comfort and peace. At no moment in your life you are alone. At no moment you are lonely. At no moment you, you are rejected. At no moment you have no source of comfort. God promises to be the one that is with you. In the midst of suffering. He might not take away the sufferings in life. But he can take away that sense of hopelessness. That desperation. That some of you might be carrying in your hearts today. With this gift of hope. We can know that in everything. God is working for your good. In everything that is happening, God is working for your good, and we can wait patiently for his deliverance that is coming. I don't know how much longer you will have to wait, but I know that he promised, and the one that, that promised is faithful enough to deliver on his promises.
Let's close this chapter, Romans 8, starting in verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to, to life for us, and he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can we say amen? amen? God has given us, lastly, the gift of belonging. God has called us to be his own. What this means is that there is nothing of this planet or outside of this planet that can separate you from the love that God has for you. Nothing you experience in life can ever mean that God stopped loving you. Regardless of what people have done to you in the past, they don't mean that God does not love you. No accusation against you can come to anything. Because the Bible says that God is for you. And no matter how severe the accusation, nothing will ever change God's mind about the love that he has for you. The fact is we all need, and we are looking for this level of belonging, of connection, acceptance, union, closeness, fellowship. And God is the only one that can truly provide it. I'm not going to ask if we have celebrities in this place. Maybe there are. There are people that are YouTubers. They have millions and millions of followers. They're known all over the world. But if they passed by me, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Usually celebrities meant they were movie stars. And we could all understand and we've seen the movies. But nowadays a celebrity, anyone can actually be a celebrity. But even if you were the greatest celebrity... With everyone in this world admiring you, cherishing you, and loving you. You know something? It still wouldn't be enough. Even just yesterday, I stumbled on a YouTube video. It was this actress that you know, Cameron Diaz. 
You know her, right? She hasn't done movies in quite a while, and so she did an interview, and she explained that, that while all of that attention, all of that was very good, and it's good to be famous, it's good to be a celebrity, it's good to be loved by people, but still something was missing. And she had to trade that kind of life for our lives. <laughs> Picking up kids from school and going grocery shopping and choosing new tiles for the kitchen. That's what she loves to do. Being in close relationship with family, spending more time with them. That's actually more fulfilling than all the attention of all the cameras in the world. If you can have all the, the attention from people on this world, it still, it still won't be enough. You, won't, you wouldn't stop seeking for belonging. But there's a good news to this. Even if you are the loneliest person on earth, even if you feel that you don't have many friends and not that many people that love you for who you are, even if you've lost many loved ones in your life and you find yourself to be very much alone, if you struggle with making friends, if you don't know a thing and it's really hard to connect with others, still you can have in your life all the love, all the identity, all the purpose that you will ever need in life. Because when you have the love of God inside of you, you have all the sense of identity and purpose that you will ever need. If you have God, you have everything you need. Now, most people, they're trying to find their identity and purpose in people, in the things of this world. And some of us, I would dare to say that we also do that. And maybe I'm speaking to you right now because you've been doing that. But when we go through seasons of loss, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what a season of loss is? Seasons where we lose our jobs, when we lose our car, when we lose our possessions, when we lose our health, ultimately when we lose a loved one, we feel lost. We feel lonely, abandoned. So many times at a point that it becomes a devastating life experience. If we're building our identity and purpose on things, that from one moment to the next, they can move away or pass away. Those seasons of loss will test who you really are, how you have been living your life. And I don't know if you got it by us just reading this passage, but this passage tells us that God doesn't want us to feel that way. He didn't make you to feel lost when you go through a season of loss. He didn't make you to feel lonely and abandoned when people turn their backs on you. He made you so that your identity and purpose can be found in Him. 
And God is not going to go anywhere. God promises us that he will not go anywhere. Regardless of what we are able to lose in life. Yes, seasons of loss will be painful still. Just the fact of thinking about the people that I love the most right now, the, the, think, the, the thought of losing them is absolutely crushing to my soul. It will continue to be painful to lose things on this earth. And yes, a part of you might be lost for good. But still, you will always belong to God. You will always belong to Him. If you don't have anywhere to go, if you don't have a place to call home, if you don't have people that are able to give you comfort, you can always go to God and abandon yourself in His loving arms because He will always be right there to receive you, to comfort you, and give you peace like no one else on earth can do. No one and nothing can separate us from God's love. Church of Christ, nothing can separate us from his love. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the struggles that you're feeling. The reason why it's really hard for you even to smile today. But God is with you. You can belong to God today. Maybe you are experiencing right now a season of loss in your life. Will you give God today an opportunity to make something new inside of your heart? Will you give God the opportunity to make God make something new out of your life? He is able to bring joy, peace, and love in moments in life that make absolutely no sense to enjoy peace. But he does. I've experienced it several times. I've heard of many people that follow Jesus that they've experienced that many, many times. While life is not perfect, while life is not suffering free, I'm so glad that I know who I belong to. God is able to heal everyone that is brokenhearted. I'll invite you to stand with me this morning. And invite the worship team to come. Usually at the end of a service, after the message, we sing. Because I think it's a good thing. I think that we can agree that it's a good thing that we're able to process now. That this guy is going to stop, be quiet for a little bit. So that I can put my thoughts together. But while I was speaking, I know that the Spirit of God was telling you those promptings. And he was saying, this part is for you. This is what you needed to hear this morning. This is the reason why your life is not exactly how you wanted it to be. In this area, or in a relationship, or work-wise... 
the word of God says, whoever has ears to hear, listen. Pay attention to what the spirit of God is telling you that you need to do. Maybe it's the gift of freedom. Maybe you haven't experienced true freedom from those accusations, those voices inside your heart and mind that say that you're not good enough. That what you, what you did is too big for, to be forgotten and to allow you to move on. Maybe it's this gift of the Spirit of God, the power that He gives for you to do the right choices. If you're tired of making the wrong choices in life, you need the Spirit of God. He's the only one. He's the only chance you have to experience something good in life. Maybe it's the gift of hope. Man, suffering, yes, it's so painful. Sometimes it makes no sense to us. But the hope that God is able to give you this morning can triumph over any fear over any discomfort, over any burden that you're feeling in your heart today. And you need to invite God to give you this gift of hope. Maybe it's the gift of belonging. Oh man, and so many of us, we are so focused in making our lives so great here. Prioritizing, getting, purchasing, traveling even doing things because we want to enjoy life the most. And I think all of us met people that in this season of COVID, their dreams crashed hard. Whole lives collapsed during this season of COVID. And those whose hope was simply put on the things of this world. And I think you know people. The level of despair that they enter. And unfortunately, many even took their own lives. Don't wait for a season of loss to happen in order to be prepared. Don't wait for a season of loss that can be very sudden. And we never know we're going to enter one. But maybe God is telling you, prepare your heart. Because the things of this world will go. People will move on. Your identity and, and purpose needs to be found in me, says God. So this morning, if you can recognize that you need one or more of these gifts... Use this time of worship to pray, to open your heart to God and allow Him to speak to you. Be open, be honest. Say what's really inside of you. And God is right there, loving on you, just waiting that you will open your heart to Him so that you might enjoy what He has already given you. So let's worship.